Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Table 442 podcast. I'm your co-host, Joe Fish, and once again, I'm joined by the other half of this uh, illustrious team, Aaron Pretty. How are you doing, Aaron? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. You look uh, look a bit smug, actually, from the results of the uh, Luis Suarez poll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to let you bring it up, so I didn't come across as too smug. But yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at the amount of backing I got on that one, actually. Yeah, so um, if you didn't listen to the episode last week, um, Aaron and I were debating whether Luis Suarez on the back of a 12th goal of the season for Atletico Madrid, taking them clear at the top of the league, was was an all-time great. Aaron was firmly in the yes camp. I was less firmly in the no camp, but definitely brought that opinion across a little bit on a personal basis rather than a football basis and clearly couldn't sway the uh, Table 442 listeners. What, what, were the, what were the final results, Aaron? Um, so the final poll from Instagram was 82% said, yeah, he should be considered an all-time great, which is quite comprehensive in the end. Yeah, that's quite, quite overwhelming. Um, mm. so yeah I hold my hands up on that one Suarez <laughs> an all time great I'm sure he'll be thrilled thrilled to hear yeah yeah he, he messaged me earlier saying he's buzzing <laughs> <laughs> he blocked, he's blocked me from all social media that's <laughs> clearly a breakdown in that relationship um, and then uh, another poll we had up was on last week's gardening leave so this one was a bit tighter didn't we we had um your suggestion of championship referees, my suggestion of modern day Sky Sports news, and then a couple of um, couple of viewer suggestions. And uh, but once again, same same result effectively of uh, an Aaron Pretty victory. Championship yeah. referees sent sent them to gardening leave. That one, um, it was tight. I uh, I checked that, and it was you you were ahead, and I thought fair enough. And then you sent a few messages out. Got Suarez to vote for <laughs> yeah. you. Yes, I said, yeah. let's drop the message to Louis and just said, look, mate, have a word with the lads and get them to vote, will you? So yeah. um, they, they swung it for me. But yeah, that one was a, a, a tight one. Um, and I think probably a bit of a cop-out, isn't it, saying referees, everyone's always going to vote against refs. Yeah, well, I'll let you have it. I'll let you have <laughs> it. Anyway, so cham- championship referees have joined um, yellow cards for celebrations and short corners in uh, in gardening leave. Um, we've got loads to talk about today. It's been like we've had two full Premier League match days since um, since the last pod. So we're going to pause Garden Leaf for a week and come back to that in the next episode. Um, and then we've, we've got the return of the Funbind 11 after uh, a break last week. And that's going to be um, all about the best deadline day signings. Um, and speaking of deadline day, we had a bit of a, a deadline day transfer and that is for the Table 442 podcast now is on um, Apple and Spotify, no longer on YouTube. Uh, we just thought that maybe a little bit of a user-friendly uh, listening method for you guys. So uh, we'll no longer be on YouTube, but you can find us on on Apple and Spotify. And the links to those pages are in our Instagram bio. Right, let's, uh, like I said, loads to be talking about, including a particular good, particularly good week for... Mr. Suarez's former club, Liverpool, and mm. for Chelsea, and a bad week for Manchester United, and an even worse week for Spurs as we go to our first section, which is this week on WhatsApp. So, Aaron, do you want to start with the, the negatives or the positives? Let's start with the positives. Let's oh, the positives. Up. 
let's go for Liverpool, who uh, at this point last week, or you know, just after we were recording last week, had lost their unbeaten run at Anfield, lost to Burnley. Uh, things are really catching up with them. No goal in five. Um, and uh, I've had a very good week uh, knocking yeah. off Spurs and then a very, very good result against an informed West Ham side. Yeah, two two great results for them. 3-1 wins both away from home. Um, yeah, looking like they're hitting a bit of form again, which obviously they, they needed because they'd been, been struggling up to then. Uh, the West Ham one particularly, I think West Ham's looked really good lately. I think, was it six games on the bounce they'd won? Um, and yeah. defeated in 10, I think it was. Something like that anyway. Um, but yeah, Liverpool blew them away. I thought they looked really good. Um, obviously yeah. not not back to the heights of last season yet, um, but but definitely an improvement on on recent weeks. Yeah, I mean there's some. It was quite the collection of goals at West Ham, wasn't it? There was the mm. you know the Salo, the classic Salo, yeah. cutting in Bendit, and then that blistering counter attack, and yeah. then the lovely build up play with Firmino and Jones for the third goal. Yeah, there were there was some really scintillating stuff. Yeah, I think you just yeah. Salah on that left foot. You just you, he's almost unstoppable, isn't he? You give him that 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 space, cut inside yeah. nine times out of ten, you know where it's going to go. Yeah, it's one of those like you know this, this is not a new thing, you know. Yeah, inverted wing has been doing that for years. Robin Salah, but the best of him, you just can't stop him. Yeah, and you know the fact that Salah and Firmino, who, who against Spurs absolutely ran the show. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Spurs as uh, ineptness <laughs> later in the later in the show. But um, Firmino actually ran that game, so. If him and Salah are coming into a little bit of form, um, and Liverpool are back back among the goal trail, I think, um, like I said in the, in the in the pod last week, I still think they they've got the best chance of um, keeping up keeping up pace with City. And those two mm. wins kind of put them, you know, again within striking distance. So uh, yeah, really really good week for Liverpool and um, and a good week as well for Chelsea as well. Um, yeah, I'd say so. 4.2 games, two clean sheets. Yeah, I'd say so. First win under the new manager. Um, obviously, all the attacking talent they've got, and it was it was Azpilicueta and Alonso who'd been frozen out under, um, under Lampard that went and obviously got the two goals. But yeah, I thought they looked, looked good. They can only get better from here as well. Yeah, there was a clear... A clear change in playing style, mm. which is what we when we spoke about Lampard last week, it was about that he hadn't that he kept mixing up his playing styles yeah. and didn't really have, didn't really have an identity, team. did they? Yeah, was well, Tuchel's come in and and straight away it's all like it's very possession based. Yeah. I mean, there was a ridiculous tweet about oh look at these sixteen passes in a row we made, mm-hmm. which actually from a Spurs fan at the moment is incredibly impressive, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, there's a clear possession-based game. She's gone to a back five. And Alonso and Aspilicueta, who, like you said, had been... Aspilicueta was mostly benched. Alonso had been cast aside, been brought back into the fold because they do suit that five at the back perfectly. Alonso is the wing back and Aspilicueta is that kind of right-hand side in the back three. Um, So, yeah, some uh, good good signs for Chelsea. And um, Callum Hudson-Odoi in a new role as well at right wing back to remember the match performances. So... Yeah, he's, I thought he looked. Still, you know, he, he's gone to a couple of experienced players and um, Alonso and Espilicueta, but he's he's found room for some of the some of the young English talent that Frank was using as well. Did you see the uh, the Robbie Brady thing with Callum Hudson Odoi? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I didn't see the clip. I have seen a tweet about it, which is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Do you want to yeah. explain? I was not seen it. Yeah, and so Hudson Odoi just blows my, my language. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I won't swear. Um, Hudson Adoy <laughs> just blows past Robbie Brady for probably about the eighth time that game. And Sean Dice screams at him, like, Robbie, Robbie, you've got to stop him. He's going on the inside. And um, Robbie Brady just stops and turns around to him and says, Gaffer, I know exactly what he's going to do, but I just can't stop him. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what do you do to stop him? He just stood there exasperated. I had to, to change the quote slightly because there was a few more expletives yeah. in it. In, in, a bit more colourful than in, that. But... Yeah, but you get the That's... gist. Yeah, I mean... That is, that is a fair point. Like, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know, I don't know what my job is. I just yeah, can't, just can't do it. Point gap, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's like we were saying yeah. with Salah. People know he's going to cut inside on the left foot and try and bend it, but try and stop him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Hudson Odoi got uh, got two starts. Mason Mount was left out um, mm. in the midweek game, but I think that's because Frank Lampard won custody of him. Yeah. for, uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for midweek fixtures still. Um, yeah, bit of court. Bit of court battle there. Um, mm. But yeah, no, good week for Chelsea and That's they right. are facing Spurs this week just at the right time as well. Mm. Um, Not looking good and, for your lads at the moment, is it? No, that you know, takes us nicely, nicely onto Spurs, which, um, yeah, been a, been a really poor week. Obviously, the, the Liverpool result um, as a, a, on its own as a result isn't terrible. But, you know, combined with the second half performance with the Kane injury... And then the performance at Brighton, which was which was shocking. Mm. Um, I think like that's it's it's turned quite a few fans against Jose if they weren't there already. And I, I think that's yeah. I, I think that's a bit unfair personally. Like Jose is on hiding to nothing at Tottenham because you know seventy percent seventy five percent of people probably didn't want him there in the first place due to his Chelsea connections and mm-hmm. just a lot of the baggage that comes with them over the last over the last few years. And you know I think. He 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 was doing okay. He'd set up a way of playing, which made Kane absolutely indispensable to the side. Yeah, and without Kane, we look absolutely awful. Um, up until obviously, there's all the jokes of oh, our Spurs won the league in November. But up until that point, you you looked like genuine contenders. Like you were blowing teams away. Yeah, and obviously Kane is now injured. But even before he was injured, you weren't you weren't up to that standard that you'd been earlier in the season. So what's changed between sort of now and then? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think quite a lot. I think quite a lot has changed because as with any team this season, like teams we've seen, we've seen it with every team, I think, that have really gone through bad spells, gone through good spells as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the the West Ham game was a turning point, went 3-0 up in 15 minutes and then didn't win the game. And there was individual defensive errors and, you know, the, the structure wasn't quite there. And, and then Jose went from that moment on into a very kind of structured back four with Hoybier and Sissoko in front and catching teams on the break. And that worked really well for a period of fixtures that, again, sides were going to come on to us. You know, the results were good. Mm-hmm. Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, and, we're put, you know, putting a, a pretty good performance, I think, at Anfield as well. And came out on the losing side to a, to a late header. But... Um, I think, like I, I always did say, like I, I mean, Spurs fans are obviously getting excited at that point. But I always did say, right, well, we've got Crystal Palace next, and if we beat Crystal Palace three 0 I'll, I'll start getting excited about our chances. But then those games against sides where we had to take the game to them, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, have as an effective method of play. I think it, it, there's, there's a lot to it, Aaron. To be honest, but I think fundamentally he doesn't trust the defenders. Fair. Um, and that's why he set up in such a, a rigid way early in the season and had success with it. And if he go, if he if he selects something which is 
you know, systematically, structurally a little bit more adventurous, like the five at the back, they just, you pick holes in it. Mm-hmm. And five at the back going forward, we looked decent against Sheffield United, although what, whatever whatever achievement that is, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> and in the first 20 minutes against Liverpool, looked okay then. But when you take Kane out of that system and, the and the fact that, you know, he's picked Sissoko, right wing back Doherty on the wrong side, yeah, that's that's not been working either. So he needs to try and find the way of um, of getting results without Kane in the next few games before before Harry comes back. But you know, I think that there's a lot of like aesthetic issues with it, and like I don't I, I don't I don't see a great direction from Mourinho going forward. But ultimately, I think Spurs aren't aren't far away from where they belong. Mm-hmm. I think we've probably got the fifth fifth best squad in the league we're sixth yeah. in the league we're in all the cups like so I don't think he's doing anywhere near as bad as, yeah, as bad Francis. a job yeah it's not doing as bad a job as people are making out and um, I think it'll all um, it'll all come to a head in the summer yeah. but for all you know the complaints about Jose's style of play and you know excluding Deli Ali, which is very justified justified complaint mm-hmm. and some odd, odd defensive selections in recent weeks I don't think he's got many good players. This will definitely be the worst squad he's worked with. Yeah. Um, and if he gets some players that he wants in the summer, which may be difficult in the circumstances, I think he might turn it into a decent side. If he doesn't get the players he wants, it'll implode really quickly. Yeah. Um, so I can't see... Uh, Spurs fans are calling for movement, really, from Levy like instantly or if, if things don't turn around in the next couple of weeks. Jose's going to be here till halfway through next season at the at the very at the very least. So, mm-hmm. yeah, lots to do. And I, I can't see us, I can't see us getting a resort against Chelsea in the week, especially now they've made their, uh, made their managerial change. It would just be um, Jose to go and win though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, it would be, but if you, if, uh, if people have watched Spurs in the last couple of games, like I, I don't see, don't see where it's coming where, from. Don't see where the goals are coming from and mm. the, the changing of shape and constant personnel changes at the back. We're, you know, we're not, we don't look solid anymore either. Mm. I th- I'd, I'd hope he turns to, you know, even if it's not going to be, again, particularly attractive football, I hope he goes back into that, you know, bank, deep bank of four he had for the for the run of games against City, Chelsea, Arsenal with Sissoko and Hoiberg in front, which at least makes us solid. Yeah. And then hopefully, Built you know, might nick a 1-0, 1-1, a 2-1, something like that gives you, a, you know, give you a chance. So I'd like, I'd like him to go that way temporarily, but you know, in the in a slightly longer direction, when he gets Kane back, he needs to make the team, I think, a little bit more expansive without without surrendering that defensive security. And whether he's, you know, not sure he feels he's got the players to do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've I've taken, you know, it's, it's been a tricky week. I've taken solace in the fact that we're not the only yeah. side in the top of the league that have had a difficult week. Um, Jose's former club, United. Um, Seems a long while ago now, but you know, losing losing to Sheffield United, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, not really showing up for another big game against Arsenal. What what are your thoughts on on how United have approached big games, or maybe how a lot of clubs have approached big games this year? Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of like nil nils and stuff between the big sides. It's like they're, they're scared to go at teams, um, and they've undoubtedly got the players to do so. Um, but again, I imagine it partly goes back to what you've just said about Jose in that uh, perhaps doesn't trust the defence. Um, yeah. 
if we were discussing on WhatsApp, what is it? They've scored one goal against the top six, United. Yeah, it was a penalty as well against yeah. Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, so they've scored one goal against the top six all season. Um, it clearly shows that there's, there's something not right in the approach. Um, that's not down to, to bad luck or bad finishing. Um, there's, there's clearly something deeper there. Um, but like you said, they're not the only team that struggled. Um, I think a lot of teams are happy to sort of shut up shop um, against each other at the top, take the point and then rely on picking up points against teams perhaps lower lower down. Yeah, which which United have done really well. Yeah. You know, so if if it's a tactical decision by Ollie to play for the point, then and he thinks that he can accumulate enough points by doing that, then you know that's that's one way of looking at it. What I think it almost is is like they're turning up to play this a, this a similar way, but they're not quite committed to doing it, and, and mm. you know they're worried about what's going to come back the other way. And like they just think, oh well, you know, we'll stay in the game and then try and nick it, which, um, you know, it's not it's not a new approach. But I at least think, I mean, Mourinho, like I said, gets a lot of criticism, and I'm not a fan of Mourinho by any stretch. But I, I have found myself defending him quite a lot in the last few weeks from yeah, I've seen you on Twitter over the top takes. I think from mm-hmm. from uh, yeah, anyone 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 who's on my Twitter will, will have seen uh, seen that, but. At least Mourinho goes into the big games with a plan of how he's going to get a result. Yeah. Whether that's a draw or nicking it on the break. Mm-hmm. And I don't I haven't seen that this year, especially from United and Chelsea. No. no. And to a lesser extent, Manchester City, you know, they've had nil nils against um against United, the, the Manchester Derby was a right snore fest. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, and then all of a sudden they turned it on against Chelsea. So I think I think they've they've perhaps Gained a bit of confidence since then, and I don't. I wouldn't expect them to be sitting in for nil nils against big no. sides now. But they're Not certainly the in at the moment. No, um, but it's certainly been the case that I think several clubs have been guilty of it. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I don't think I don't think it'll change. You know, between United, Arsenal, Spurs, when those Chelsea when those meetings come now. So mm. yeah, I think it's going. They, they, I think they anticipate, like I said, it's going to be tight at the top, and every point within those games is worth double really for them yeah. so yeah sounds cliche but it's true yeah yeah um anything else catch your eye in the in the Premier League this week we obviously did our predicted end of season tables in the pod last week I think um maybe Brighton have screwed you over a little bit but then in the in the sense Newcastle have, have proved you right they've, yeah they've a bit of a mixed bag um also I I firmly nailed my my colours to to United keeping it up and, and Liverpool falling away and obviously the absolute opposite of that's happened. So, yeah, um bit of a mixed 20, bag 20 there. But... 20 <laughs> Plus, you won the two polls, mate. You can't have everything. Yeah, I can't have it all, can I? I can't go for that. Trick, have a so... clean sweep. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, already thinking, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like at the end of the season because I um, I envisage being massively out now. Maybe well, Sheffield United bottom and City top. And they're the only two that I'm that I'm still feeling relatively confident on. Yeah, no, um, but I I was just as guilty. Like I had, um, I had lead, like I think I had Leeds down in about 14th, and they picked up a great result against. Yeah, Patrick against So yeah, yeah, Bamford with a with a great performance. So um, I think we'll we'll both be made to look like fools equally. Yeah. So uh, yeah, part and parcel. Not, yeah, part and, part and parcel of the job we're learning now, aren't we? So yeah. it's been a, it's been a really good week, effectively for mm-hmm. for Liverpool and Chelsea. Not so good 
for Spurs and Man U. And uh, that's where we'll leave it for, for now. Yeah, sounds good. Right, so deadline day, fun bind 11. The rules are they can be signings from any, um, any deadline day of, uh, of the past. Although, Aaron, that's not exactly how you interpreted it, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I made it harder for myself because I, I, in my head, I just had it that we were only doing January deadline day signings, which right. made it really hard. There's a, there's yeah. a few, obviously, that go straight in um, as January deadline day signings, but there's others, there's a few positions where I've literally just had to put a body in. Um, so, yeah, there's a few, I won't do any spoilers, but I know I'm going to get absolutely hammered in a few positions where I've had people in and then at the last minute thought, oh, no, he's not January, he was a summer transfer signing and taken them back out. So, just, we'll just see. A, a slight miscommunication there. but um, It makes the happen. debate a bit more interesting, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Hopefully we'll come up with very different sides now. And I think, like, before we get into the teams, I think, like it's important to say, like we're not necessarily looking for the best eleven players here who have moved on a deadline day. No. I think that was a good example um, Aaron brought up when we were, when we're looking into this. Like Sergio Ramos, like one of the best defenders of all time, one of the most decorated players of all time. He moved on deadline day, but like it's, nobody would really know that. No. So it's like there's a combination we're looking for of like good signings, good players, and kind of like good deadline day drama. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully there's a there's a good a good mix of that. Um, so, <laughs> who's, your, who's your January deadline day goalkeeping signing? Do you know Aaron what? This is this one is actually not too bad. It's um, oh, really? Asmir Begovic. Um, yeah, three million from Pom- from Pompey to Stoke in two thousand and ten. Um, yeah, three million is not a great deal. Um, and for that, he was a really really good goalkeeper for Stoke for a long time in the Prem. Um, they yeah. had that. Really solid spell under Tony Pulis, playing Pulis ball, which was not pretty on the eye at all, but they were successful. Um, and he was a big part of that. Um, it was a bit of drama around it because I didn't know this until I was looking it up earlier, but Stoke, had, um, Stoke not Stoke, sorry, Spurs had actually put a down payment on Begovic in Kabul and Pompey had, had gladly taken it. Um, Begovic then obviously signed for Stoke instead, at which point Spurs turned around and were like, that's fine, but you owe us our money back. Um, that sounds like the kind of Portsmouth financial dealings yeah, of that era, to be fair. Exactly. And um, it was when Pompey were in huge financial issues and they were ordered by the FA to pay Spurs a million pounds in compensation. So there was a bit of drama there around the signing as well. So that's why I've, um, I've opted for him. Yeah, well, well, having said that the team should look quite different, uh, I have also got Begovic. Oh. <laughs> um, there was, there was um, Hugo Lloris moved to Spurs on deadline day, um, yeah. but I'm just angry at him at the moment, so yeah. um, I'm not picking him. Sorry, yeah, Hugo. Um, I, I had yeah. him in my team when I, before I changed it to just January signing, so either way we would have had a crossover there, I reckon. Yeah, well, Begovic, in goal, decent start. Um Right back, I've got a person who I don't think really fits the profile of like any deadline day signing, which I think come into a few different categories. One is like that kind of transfer saga that's gone on all summer and for some reason only closes on deadline day. Mm-hmm. Another is like a move that comes out of nowhere that's not well thought, thought through because it's like a panic buy. And then another one is like just, you know, 
an ex- excessive price for someone okay. because it's deadline day and people are getting nervous. Or panicking. Yeah, panicking. So there's not many like really good bits of business that get done on no. deadline day, but this is one and it's Tarek Lamptey from yeah. okay. January 2019. So 4 million quid he cost Brighton. Wasn't really on anybody's radar. Um, you know, has been a revelation for them and he's probably now worth possibly like 10 times that they might get for him in 18 months time. Yeah. So yeah, really good bit of business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, across the back four, I think it's fair to say clubs don't really, maybe they get their defensive signings done earlier. There's not a great deal to choose from across the back four, but I think Lamptey is a rare example of a really, really shrewd bit of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Who have you got? So you got mine's that? the op- mine's the opposite of that, and it's someone that I mean I'm I'm already happy to concede Lampy on this one because this is, yeah. I've snuck this guy in the back door because he wasn't signed as a right back, but he's gone on to play as a right back elsewhere and have right. quite a bit of success. Um, and he's the opposite of an astute signing. It's someone that's just done well at the World Cup and then they panicked and bought him in January. It's Juan Cuadrado yeah, <laughs> when he signed for twenty three million from Fiorentina to Chelsea. Yeah, he, um, as you were describing him. I was picturing him, yeah, but I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, Quadrado. Yeah, so he had a really good World Cup in 2014. I think he got most assists or joint most assists. There was a bit of a clamour for his signature. He didn't move in the summer, but then Chelsea snapped him up for 23 mil in January. He hardly ever kicked a ball for them. Went out on loan for two seasons to Juve and then signed for Juve eventually. So the opposite of a Lamptey signing, really. Yeah, had a really good spell at Juve, though. Yeah, yeah, he was really good at Juve. It was Juve where he moved to right back, but yeah. I don't think he ever he ever played right back for Chelsea. So if we, so, I reckon if Juventus had signed him on deadline day, then and he had the career he had now, yeah. he would probably trump Lamptey. But as but, it yeah. was, he was all for Lamp- Chelsea. Yeah. So Salah went the yeah. other way as well, I think, which is a just sums that that up. Yeah, yeah, uh, not good business for anyone. Um, what about um, at left back? Who've you got? <laughs> so this one, I know I'm going to get hammered on because there's a there's a very obvious sign in that signed on deadline day that that wasn't in January. Um, but my January one, I've gone for Nacho Monreal, not for any sort of excitement other than they signed him for eight million, and he was just a genuinely really really good Premiership left back for a long time. Um, and when you look at what what eight million gets you in this market, it's it's not a lot. So he got yeah. the nod for me. I'm very aware that I'm about to get blown out of the water by your left back, but still think eight million. No, I had Nacho Monreal as well. Oh, did you? No, no, I didn't. No. I had actually <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think, <laughs> and this is an, another like great trope of transfer windows is all of these supposed swap deals that could happen and then never do. And then this one happened was a great success for both clubs and happened on deadline day. So we're talking obviously Ashley Cole um, plus 5 million, uh, no, William Gallas, I beg your pardon, plus 5 million pound Mm. for Ashley Cole to go from Arsenal to Chelsea. And I've got both Cole and Gallas in my team. They don't come as a pair. If you, if you've got some better centre halves, (laughs) we can, we can discuss that. But um, yeah, I just think like, that that deal worked out well for everybody, apart from probably Wayne Bridge. Um, yeah. um, you know, Gallas was threatening to apparently threaten to score an own goal. <laughs> yeah. He was um, a loose cannon. If, if he was, yeah, if he stayed at Chelsea, um, Cole and there was a big tapping up thing with Cole and Arsenal, and that, yeah. that got you know way out of hand. 
Uh, sure. So I think it was a perfect storm for a deadline day swap deal, which you very rarely see. So yeah, I've got yeah. I've got Cole at left back and Gallas at centre back, um, and then completing my back four, I've got rather underwhelmingly, I've got Michael Dawson. <laughs> um, so yeah, there weren't like I said, there wasn't a great dearth of defenders to pick from. Although Dawson is a decent story in the fact that yeah. Spurs made a joint signing of Michael Dawson and Andy Reid from Nottingham Forest on deadline day and I think everybody expected Andy Reid yeah, to, to be, be really the, good and yeah to be to be the main signing there and Dawson came through and had a really good career at Spurs captain the club so mm-hmm. um still thought of really fondly so um yeah um I'm happy with the back four apart from potentially potentially Dawson so if we're assuming Cole's a sure in at left back yeah I think we, Cole at left back the, and Lampdy at right back I think I've got yeah. two all right shouts for centre back though Right, let's hear him then. Let's hear so him. the first one is is Chelsea signing David Luiz for the first time from Benfica in 2011. So they picked him up on deadline day for 20, 21 million plus Matic. Yeah, Matic, yeah. And yeah, he was obviously really successful there then. Sold him to PSG for I think, was it 52 million a few years later. But in that first spell, particularly 2011, he was, he was really good. Um, yeah. Won everything, won the Champions League, won the league title, FA Cup, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and was, yeah, never present in the in their defence when they're in a really successful period. And then alongside him, I've got someone who we go back to astute signings. It was Everton picking up John Stones from Barnsley for three million on deadline day, two thousand and thirteen. Ah. Um, he obviously went on to be terrific for them capped by England and they sold him for three years later to City for forty seven point five million. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty that's pretty good going. Yeah. It's not um, not a bad return on investment there. Yeah. So I think we if we're saying that the Lampty model of buying somebody at four million on deadline day and then selling them on for massive money, even though he hasn't been sold yet, gets him in the team. Yeah. Then surely Stones yeah. gets in the team. Like had a good career at Everton. He's like, you know, Revitalised at Manchester City this season alongside Diaz, um, so yeah, no, I think I think Stone should be Stone should be in there and um, David Luiz as well. I think I'm pretty sure he went from Chelsea to Arsenal on deadline day. Yeah, therefore, I think he, yeah, he, him a multi deadline day yeah, signing. Yeah, and surely therefore in the team as well. <laughs> okay, so there you go. You've got the two fullbacks. I've got the two centre backs. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. So we've got Begovic in goal. And then uh, Lamptey and Ashley Cole um, at fullbacks, and then centre halves, David Luiz and John Stones. I mean, there was a shout last week on Gardening League, which wasn't really reciprocated on Twitter of playing the ball out from the back. Mm. I mean, those two. Oh, yeah, definitely. The hearts and mouths and fans yeah. in that side. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to watch, would you? It would be constant, yeah. Um, so <laughs> it could be some chaos, that partnership. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the more I'm thinking of it, the more I just want to see it, just to see how chaotic it is. So there is a uh, there is our back five of uh, of, of deadline day signings. Um, moving into midfield, what kind of what kind of shape have you got to your to your midfield? I'll probably for the to to make it easy, just say it's a four four two. Um, just a, yeah, the midfield four. Yeah, and who who have you got in the uh, in the centre of the park? Um, so I've got one that I imagine we've probably both got, um, Javier Mascherano 
moving from West Ham to Liverpool in 2007 on deadline day. Um, it was it was drawn out through basically all of January. Um, the, the issue was that he'd played for two teams already that season in Corinthians and West Ham with the um, the very dodgy transfer of him and Carlos Tevez earlier in the year. And then, yeah, Mascherano moved on to Liverpool and it took up until the 31st of January at basically midnight for Liverpool to get dispensation from the FA that, yeah, that's fine, you can you can sign him. Um, no, sorry, it was from FIFA that they could sign him. And then the Premier League held back on their decision and refused to announce straight away whether they'd, they'd allow him to play. Obviously, eventually they did. He was really good, etc., etc., etc. But there was tons of drama and red tape around that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the drama involved in that, actually, because I saw that. I saw Mascherano to Liverpool, but then forgot about the context of it. And Mascherano is another, like David Luiz, um, with previous... Yeah. deadline day exposure as we may get to later i i haven't got mascherano because like i said i probably ignored the drama of it um i have got another top defensive midfielder and to be fair looking at a center half partnership we might need two of them <laughs> yeah. yeah so i've gone for claude makalele um mm -hmm. no, no drama about this one just uh a cracking signing at Chelsea, um, Chelsea, I think it was 16 million quid. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously an absolute icon in terms of that holding midfield yeah. role. It's called the um, McAuley role. Lampard, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, you know, gave Lampard, etc. the license to go, to go on was part of, um, a defensive unit. Let's say if he wasn't part of the back four, that was, you know, the best the Premier League has ever seen. And probably mm -hmm. at this rate, the way goals are going in, we'll ever see. So yeah, another example of a, a, you know, a good bit of business. And I had to get him in there because the rest of my midfield is very attacking. Okay. Um, but whether we need both him and Mascherano, Mascherano, I think, in terms of the deadline dayness of it all, mm -hmm. would be ahead of Makaleli, but maybe we'll have maybe we'll have both. Who, who else have you got in the middle of the park? Um, so I looked at Makaleli, went to put him straight in and then realised he wasn't a January deadline day side and so didn't put him in. Um, yeah. Instead, I've got Mikel Arteta signing for Everton on loan from Sociedad in 2005. Yeah. So Everton had lost Gravison to Real Madrid and needed someone to plug the hole in the middle. Um, they brought Arteta in. He was sensational that season. And he went on to, they went on to qualify for Champions League football that year for the first and only time in their history. And then they signed him permanently in the summer of 2005. And... I mean, I'm not an Everton fan, but I imagine most Everton fans would say he probably goes down as one of the the best ever players, arguably. I um, of the of the Premier League era, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, had a really good impact there. Um, obviously, the, the initial loan deal gives it possibly extra kudos. You don't have to pay mm -hmm. the fee on deadline day as well. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good case. I think, I, and again. I think he may have gone to Arsenal on deadline day, yeah. and not that <laughs> underwhelming deadline day for Arsenal when they ended up signing things like Arteta and Mertesacker having been linked with <laughs> yeah. probably you know a lot better players through through the window. Um, he would give us maybe a slightly better balance in the middle of the park rather than um, a Makalele Mascherano double pivot. But like um, you say, the two the two centre halves, I wouldn't complain might, with having. Yeah, Those we might as well play Makalele and Mascherano at centre half. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Mascherano maybe, did drop in centre half later in his yeah. career, didn't he? Maybe we've already, uh, maybe we're, we're too far gone now, I think, to move <laughs> back on that. So, yeah, they're, um, 
yeah, some good some good options in the middle of the park. I've like I said, my, my the rest of my midfield is very attacking. So my other central midfielder, it's kind of like a diamond, but he's kind of not. So it, it, the central midfielder, I guess, would be Rafa van der Vaart. Yeah. So Spurs and Daniel Levy have this reputation of doing great business on deadline day, but the reality is they do a lot of business on deadline day, but most of it's not good. Yeah, not all like, great. You know, Ryan Nelson's of it all and Clint Dempsey's and... Ryan you know, Gregor's Raziak as well, you know, so there's yeah. most of things, but like, I think he built his reputation on effectively this signing, which was an absolute coup, coup at, you know, I think it was 11 million quid yeah. from Real Madrid, came in and he was just a class above from the uh-huh. first, first time. Yeah. Step One of my favourite ever players, Rafa van der Vaart. Yeah. A joy so to, good watch. to watch. Yeah, exactly. So good to watch. Um, like a real competitor, I think Spurs let go a bit early. He only had two seasons at Spurs. But in terms of like instant impact and actually like a real kind of like shock, surprising yeah. deadline day signing, I think he's right up there. Um, like Red, like I said, Redknapp and Levy have that kind of reputation of deadline day business. This is the only, this is pretty much the only good one they had. Mm-hmm. So I had definitely had to find room for him. He's, he's um, a professional darts player now or a darts player. Are you thinking of Vincent van der Voort? I'm sure Rafa. Well, I'm going to have to Google that quickly. I'm sure, sure that Rafa van der Vaart is a darts player now. I really hope he is. Otherwise, I'm going to sound stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I may have missed that. There's obviously Vincent van der Vaart, and they both have like the same song, like you know, Rafa van der Vaart, van der Vaart, etc. Yeah. That one. He is. But... He's a darts player now. Former is Ajax, it? Tottenham, and Real Madrid midfielder Rafael van der Vaart recently made his debut in professional darts at the BDO Denmark Open in Oysberg. Oh, I see. That wasn't. I missed that one because it wasn't televised. Yeah, uh, I was away that weekend. But yeah, yeah it, it doesn't sound like he's particularly great, and probably only know of it because he's Rafael van der Vaart. He averaged just fifty-four and was thrashed four-nil. But yeah, he's a professional <laughs> darts player now. <laughs> well, no, I don't know what the the threshold is for professional, but I'm not sure an average of fifty-four really. But, <laughs> yeah. so he is. He's a darts player, maybe. Um, yeah, so w- w- let's see what the makeup of the wingers are as well, because Van der Vaart you could easily shove out wide. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'm, I'm quite strongly want to get him in, but not necessarily yeah. in the middle. So who have you got um, on the wings? So on the left, I've got Andre Arshavin, um, 15 yeah. million to Zenit, 2009 Arsenal. Another yeah. one, a bit of drama around it. Everybody wanted him and... Arsenal managed to snap him up. It was seen as a bit of a coup. Um, but then as he was due to fly over to the UK from Russia, there was a horrendous yeah. snowstorm, meaning that the flights were delayed. I remember the pictures. It was crazy. And they had to, again, they had to be given special dispensation to allow him to sign after midnight because technically the transfer window had shut. Um, but because of the, the snowstorm, they were allowed to, to pick him up after and... Went on to for a, a short while, be really good. I'm sure everyone remembers the four goals against Liverpool. Um, yeah. But then he sort of fizzled out just as quickly as he burst onto the scene and ended up back up in Russia. Yeah, I mean, I think any any notable transfer which requires special dispensation... Yeah, he's a shoe-in. He's a strong contender. I had Arshman as well. Like, according to... I mean, I know you said there about the special dispensation. According to myth, and by myth, I mean the Mail Online. <laughs> they say they say that Arshavin, Arshavin beat the deadline with eight seconds to spare. Oh, wow. 
So yeah. can't get any more deadline than that. No, so that is deadline. For me, he is a shoe in. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody who who I've put, I've tried to shoehorn him in the team, but I know it doesn't really fit the criteria. I just couldn't not mention him. Was was I've got him on the wing, Peter Oden wingy. <laughs> so it was like he he actually iconic. Yeah, but you say deadline day, and everyone thinks of it. Everyone yeah. thinks of Oden wingy turning up to QPR. Thinking he's moving there and then not. Yeah. And those scenes where Sky Sports were interviewing him in the car park. Yeah. Just, that was, just you know, it I, is deadline day, that is, isn't it? Exactly. I panned Sky Sports news on this podcast last week. That because that's when it peaked, really. Yeah, that's as good as, as it gets. I had um I was watching the deadline day coverage last night to see if Borough got managed to get a few deals over the line and had Harry Redknapp on there. Um of course. And obviously, naturally, they, they brought that up and he, he was laughing, saying about how, how good a lad he is and this and that and the other. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, even now, it was still getting brought up on Sky Sports News all these years later because it's just it's just iconic. Yeah, so, you know, this is... The title of this is a deadline day 11 and, you know, somewhere deep in the small print, it might say that they had to move on deadline day. But yeah. just based on the title, I, I think Odin Wingy is definitely worth consideration. Absolutely. Um, and just a, a, to quickly divert away from that, you know, I fear for the person that Harry Redknapp says isn't a good lad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know Peter I mean? Sutcliffe. No, he's a great <laughs> lad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great lad, great family man. Yeah. So what is he, what is he like as a footballer, Harry? Oh, yeah, terrific. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> terrific. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so well, I think we've got some cracking midfield options here. I think you're, we're still... One shot from your your lineup. Yeah. So originally I had Rubinho. Yeah. And his deadline day moved to City, where he thought he was signing for United. Then he oh, thought he yeah. was signing for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> and then he realised he'd signed for Man City. Um, that was a huge signing because I feel like City had been taken over by Taksin Shinawatra and they'd splashed a load of cash, but it was on like decent Premier League players like Craig Bellamy. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Rubinho was the first one that was sort of a global superstar and, and really put City on the map. Um, so I did have him in um, and then I switched it to January only signings and put in Wilfred Zaha moving back from United to Palace for three million in 2015. Um, yeah. Obviously he'd gone the other way in 2013, never worked out for him, came back to Palace and is now arguably the single most individually important player to any team in the Premier League, you could argue. And yeah, like, I mean, well, I think we, we gave Raul Jimenez a shout for that yeah, last yeah. week when we were talking about Wolves. I mean, Harry Kane has demonstrated why he's probably up there in the past week for Spurs, but Zaha certainly is. Yeah, um, yeah like, I think obviously a, a very good signing by by. There's Palace. no drama around it. He was literally I, just I a just body to like put in. Within this company, he's swallowed up by the drama. Yeah, there's agreed. so much of it. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Mascherano, I think, has got to be in. Yeah, I'd go. Um, and I think, Arthur, I think Arshavin's got to be in as well. I'd probably go Mascherano, Makaleli in the middle. Yeah. Arshavin out left, Van der Vaart coming in from the and, right. Van der Vaart in from the right. I'm happy with that. I mean, and, and then Odin Wingy just like <laughs> turning up two minutes yeah. before the start. <laughs> yeah, before kick off asking for a game. Yeah, can I, I? I'm playing right. No, yeah. you're not the news. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. So we've, we've started Rafa over you this week, Peter. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think he'd find that easier to take actually. Yeah. Left out the side of Van der Vaart than than uh, 
than what happened at QPR. So, I, I mean, that is not only a, a drama-filled deadline day midfield, but actually quite a good midfield. Very <laughs> yeah. attacking. But, um, Very oh, no, good. it's not, sorry, because we've got Makaleli and Mash running in there. Haven't yeah, we, so. that's a, it's a yeah. great platform to build from. Yeah. Cole and Lamptey overlapping on the wings. Yeah. That'd actually be a really good team so far. That's not a bad side so far. And, of course, the absolute pinnacle of deadline day is always the desperate moves for strikers, yeah. of which there oh. have been some very successful stories. So who, as well as the terrible ones, of course, who have you got up front, Aaron? This was, there was an absolute abundance of players to pick here. Um, yeah. I've gone for one obvious one and one maybe a little bit more left field. So I'll start with the obvious one first. It's someone we've already touched on, so I'm not going to go into to how good he is. But Liverpool signed in Luis Suarez from Ajax in 2011. Um, yeah. The the funniest thing about that and the reason that it, it always makes me laugh is no one cared. No one really made a big deal of it because you, they signed Andy Carroll for 35 million about an hour after they signed him. Um, yeah. It was completely overshadowed. Uh, like the, it was the same window yeah, they sold I, Torres. I Torres business, yeah, yeah. It was the same window they sold Torres to Chelsea for fifty million. So they had they had a bit of money, brought Suarez in, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, decent signing." And then they brought Andy Carroll in, like I say, about an hour later for thirty-five million, was it? And Suarez just completely got forgotten about, really, and all the hype. Um, and it was, it was yeah. hilarious looking back now because there's, there's just no comparison between the two. Yeah, Carroll all day. Um, uh, yeah, let's do a poll. I mean, yes, let's do a poll. And this time, you can't text Suarez to lobby for votes. Um, yeah, great shout. Who Who's your other striker? So, this one's a little bit more left field. Um, I went for Daniel Sturridge signing for Bolton Ooh, okay. on loan from Chelsea in 2011. Yeah. So, yeah, Bolton by all accounts looked doomed. Um, Sturridge was but getting talked about at Chelsea, but wasn't really getting any game time. Uh, he went out on loan to Bolton, came on and scored the winner in the last minute in his first game against Wolves, and then followed that up with goals against Spurs, Everton and Newcastle, um, finished the season scoring 8-12 and fired Bolton to, to safety and stayed up that season off the largely off the back of his, his goals in that, that final spell. So there's yeah. undoubtedly more talented players that have moved on deadline day. But I think for for impact of deadline day signings, you'll you'll perhaps struggle to to find better than that impact. Yeah, especially in January when that is in, incredibly important. Like like I said, there's there's teams who are fighting relegation, looking to bring in a goal scorer. He's done just that. Mm. Um, that's a really good shout. And as well, like the added benefit of the Suarez Sturridge partnership. Yeah, um, getting the band yeah, that, together. Yeah, exactly. That could be that could be difficult to beat. Um, I'm going to give it a go, though. Um, mm -hmm. With and I'm going to start with. I, I, I mean, I was tempted to just put Carol and Torres in for pure drama. <laughs> I remember. I think I was on a night out, and someone came up and um, said, "Like it was it literally like it was a last minute thing. Like, oh, Torres, 50 minutes, Chelsea, Carol, 35 minutes, Liverpool, and." I thought like they were winding me up, yeah. but um, I went for I, I decided not to, and I went firstly for Carlos Tevez, mm -hmm. and you talk about impact as well. Yeah, another Obviously, one. Sturridge had the the impact at, at, at Bolton, Tevez at West Ham as part of that Mascher Mascherano deal. Um, you know the the famous um, 
final final day of the season goal against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like what that where that move came from. Like these were two of the hottest properties in South American football. Um and ended right up away. in a very dodgy deal yeah. at West Ham with Alan Pardew. Like, I was going to say, it's that picture of Alan Pardew yeah, stood I, with them both looking like the smuggest man in the world. Yeah, and of course, all three went on to have equally distinguished careers. <laughs> um, so I think like he's a really strong case. Um, and then I've also gone for Dimitar Berbatov. Mm-hmm. So I can remember that kind of iconic scene of like some like Sky found him like against a window in uh, uh, wherever they were doing the deal for Man U, um, and uh, like it, it was like some undercover operation where they were doing surveillance on him. Um, <laughs> you know, thirty million quid. He he kind of um, thrown the towel in at Spurs at that point, and they went on to have you know a really successful spell playing a bit with Tevez, of course, at Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, I would maybe of of those mentioned. I think you kind of you kind of fit into two categories, which is like the impact signing. Mm-hmm. We've got Tavares and Sturridge, yeah, and then the like the talent. You know, genuinely like the talented, yeah. good signings that happened on deadline day. And I think Suarez trumps Berbatov in that regard. He's boring. He's a bit so boring though, what? Suarez. And I think we've 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 probably done him to death over the last week. So I'm as good as he is. I'm happy to to boot him out of this one. I'll just text him later. Yeah, you just, you just text him a little apology. Um, I think Tev, I think Tevez should definitely be in it. Yeah. Um, so if you're not so thingy on Suarez, I'm I'm not that sold on Berbatov. So I don't mind Sturridge. I think that's a really good shout. Actually, I think like, it's not the type of impact type of deal that stood out. But yeah, I think I think for impact on on their respective seasons, it's hard to look past Tevez and Sturridge. Eight in twelve yeah. storage, and then I think without looking it up, I feel like Tevez's goal scoring record towards the end of that season probably wasn't far off that. He seemed to just score yeah, but, every game, didn't he? Just the the win one nil and it didn't do much in the first half. Didn't do much in the first half of the season, but then carried them on that, their on, that, on that run towards the end of the season. And like you say, yeah. the, the goal last game is, is iconic. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, t- t- totally burped off and Suarez out of any side, yeah. um, but I think I think I quite like Tevez and Sturridge actually for yeah. for the impact they've made. Um, they like we've we've there's been lots of different criteria fulfilled in this side. We've had drama, mm-hmm. we've had like you know shrewd bargains like Lamptey. We've had you know a, a, you know very rare swap deal with Cole. Um, was I feel like impact of signing is, is yeah. the immediate impact of signing has potentially been a little bit overlooked. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, yeah, I think Tevez and Sturridge as a forward pairing, if you're happy with that. Yeah, more than happy with that. I must admit, I was I was really expecting you to go for Aubameyang. I was I was waiting for you to bring that one out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you'd actually be surprised. No, actually, I quite like Aubameyang, um, but I think like that was one of those that. It kind of it, everyone knew it was happening, and it just took ages. Just and then took, happened yeah, just drawn out. Um, so there were, I, I did, I did have a look at that, but I didn't think it was. There's, it's again, like, it's one that there's not, there's not much drama about it. It's just, oh yeah, he happened to sign on that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the impact has been has been really significant. Obviously, not having a great season as it stands, but um, he was, he probably, he was, he. I always kind of have this like one Arsenal player that. I, 
quite secretly like. Yeah. And exactly. at the moment, it's Saka. Pre- previ- previously, it was Aubameyang, and prior to that, it was it was Aaron Ramsey. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just told that on a public forum now, so <laughs> no hiding, no hiding now from uh, from. Uh, it's Spurs Twitter are coming for you, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I've, I haven't got heavyweight backup like you have in Suarez. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I could be in trouble. Um, so, let's just run through the team then. We've got Begovic and Gold, back four of Lamptey, um, and then Stones and David Luiz and Ashley Cole at left back. And formidable defence midfield force of Claude Makélélé and Javier Mascherano with uh, Andre Arshavin and Rafa van der Vaart providing the flair from the flanks. And up front, Carlos Tevez. And Daniel Sturridge completing our deadline day fun bind eleven. Happy with that. I think that's a good side. And if that's... you gave that to any manager, they would be buzzing. Yeah, it's, it really has got a bit of everything. That that's a that, one of the best we've built. In the, yeah. Out of the three we've done, <laughs> it's one of the best. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's top top of three. I'm not really sure in the top three what merit that has. Yeah. Um, if, if you guys have got any shouts for uh, deadline day signings that we may have missed or you want to, you know, launch a strong case for someone we've, we've discussed and left out, please, uh, please uh, get back to us on Twitter on that. You can follow us at table four, four T one, the four is for F O U R. Like, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the, earlier in the show, we're, we're not on YouTube anymore. We're going to be on Apple and Spotify going forward. You can find the links to listen to that uh, in our Instagram bio. So, you know, please follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, uh, give us a listen on Apple or Spotify and uh, share it with your friends. And um, yeah, give us any any feedback, positive or constructive uh, is welcome. Uh, that's all we've got time for uh, on this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another. So it's bye from me. And, and bye from uh, me. And bye from Aaron. See you, lads. Cheers, See you, guys. Bye.